I mean, we're ready People to go. People can just rewind their tapes. No, my take is so so different now. I can't wait for you to hear ah, it. Okay. Yeah. All right. I well, would have kicked the field goal. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to Debatable, <laughs> presented by Corona. I'm Izzy Gutierrez. That's Davis Dennis Jr. That is Sarah Spain. We're just trying to get like popular, as popular as the corn kid doing fake TV shows and stuff, but um, <laughs> we're never going to get there. Instead, we have to talk about people like Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, speak for yourself. I am also a corn ambassador. Uh, mm. My, my mm. reign is smaller. I'm the corn ambassador of my own home. I have not okay. yet managed to get a full state or a corn festival under my name. Yeah, such a cute kid. Um, I did mention presented by Corona, right? Uh, I do yeah. believe that we yeah. would get as you popular as the corn kid if we decided to talk about the latest chess controversy today. <laughs> but we cannot. We're going to have to well, go I'll, with what Some Charlie of the content said. might be the same, right? It's like a rod with little knobs. Okay, okay. Is what he said about the corn? Is what he said about the corn. Okay, uh-huh. No, I just, all right. I can just there. hear the boots shaking over there, Charlie. That's right. Um, first question. Did Nathaniel Hackett make things better by admitting that he should have gone for it on fourth and five? Uh, I'm just going to raise my hand and say that if you would have asked me two weeks ago who Nathaniel Hackett was, my first guess would have been a team owner because I didn't really remember the new Broncos head coach. But now I'll never forget it because of this decision. He, uh, one night after the whole world told him he should have not kicked that field goal or attempted that 64-yard field goal, basically, that's basically, he said, I definitely should have gone for it on fourth and five there, um, which everybody agrees with. There's a couple of things about the quote I wanted to get your guys' opinion on, though, because this idea that the 46-yard line was the goal, right? To get to that 46-yard line, you can make a field goal from there. But the idea that you just have to stop everything once you get there even though there's 20 <laughs> seconds left and not try to get more yardage i think to me even today it's just like all right look i know you're trying to defend your take i know you're trying to get an, a sliver of defense for yourself but there's nothing you could say there that's defensible so he pretty much had to do this yeah i think he would have probably benefited from some wireless means of uh communicating to help him get some <laughs> hints about what to do in the game but uh i think this kind of makes things a little worse like he should like First of all, he said if they were one yard, 47-yard line, they would have gone for it. Like, the one yard made the entire difference. And they planned this two – like, they, they started the game saying if we get to the 46-yard line, we're straight. We're Gucci. And, like, that makes no sense. Like, he held on to it from that afternoon. They were parked at the – like, when you watch it back, they were parked at the 46-yard line like they were parked at the two-yard line waiting for the time to run out. <laughs> like, it was a foregone conclusion they were going to make that kick. The explanation makes it worse. Yeah. First of all, if you had said Nathaniel Hackett to me a couple months ago, I would have gone with some sort of like 18th century writer. That's what, that's the okay, vibe right. I'm getting from Nathaniel Hackett. But the problem is there's two answers here. One, he absolutely did make it better by at least saying the words we should have gone for. Had he doubled down, had he reiterated his stance, had he not at any point said the words we should have gone for it, I think he would have been in bigger trouble, both in his relationship with Russell Wilson and in the way the fans are receiving his first coaching effort. David Dennis Jr., I don't know if you guys know him, yesterday on Around the Horn, said they should start looking for a new coach. That's how bad... <laughs> I want to say it sort of like uh, in a third person away from you, David, instead of just saying it while you're here. Um, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think they need to look for a new coach. Now, it wasn't just the last call of the game. It was a series of calls throughout the game that he pointed to. And I actually agree that there was a lot of amateur hour decision making throughout the game. I'm giving him some more time, though. I'm going to allow it past week one before I start calling for his head. 
But the problem with his statement, though overall was better to at least take it back and say we should have gone for it, was the equivocating to your point of saying, well, we had what we wanted and we'd made our decision. And after that, we were incapable of changing our minds based on both the metrics that told us that going for it was way smarter and also the long-term effects of the very first game with Russ being like that. I don't believe in our fourth quarter comeback King. I'm going to have our kicker kick something that two out of 41 times in the NFL previously has gone well. I want David to to defend his take there because I, I was kind of leaning toward that idea of him basically not necessarily firing him after one game, but the idea that red flags are all over the place because, yeah, like you tell your quarterback all the time, hey, don't predetermine your throws. Let's make sure you go through your progression. Well, I mean, this was predetermined. Obviously, they were like, oh, we're where we want to be, but we have 20 seconds left. What do we do? Let's just kick it. It was nonsense. It was a terrible choice. And then you combine that with the way they looked. It was just a fire drill at all times, the closer they got to the end zone and to the goal line. And it was just, it just shows you a team that seems unprepared. But to me, sort of the logic of like, there are tens of thousands of people in that stadium telling you, hey, that we want to see that guy go for it. We want to see him fail, but we want to see that guy go for it. The setting is here for you. And just the idea that you don't have um, just the, 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 the instincts to say, oh, okay, this is a perfect situation for our quarterback signing. And for and, and even if he doesn't succeed here, hey, nobody's going to blame anybody. Everything's going to be okay. You had extra time to think about that. You even had the practice kick, which looked terrible when the Seahawks called the timeout to sort of change your mind and nothing. And I think, yeah, I, I don't think anything that he would have said today necessarily would have fixed that or fixed it. Nothing yeah, fixed as, it. as somebody who's spoken to David Dennis Jr. and knows what his, what his sources, take he sources had, are telling you. Sources close, sources close to David Dennis Jr. is explaining the fact. Hackett, like you have, like I said, you have a small window with Russell Wilson to be a Super Bowl team. Hackett does not seem like the type of coach that is anywhere equipped to lead a team to a Super Bowl. Like they looked so out of sorts. It looked like a substitute teacher trying to coach that team. And I'm not saying you call Sean Payton today and say we need a new coach, but tell him, Sean Payton, if you're in line, stay in line because yeah. like this yeah, could yeah. get like a whole lot worse because he does not seem to know at all what he's doing in terms of head coaching or <laughs> offensive coordinating. So I, I just don't – this could get even – like we thought that to yesterday was or Monday was the worst. Like it can get way worse than this. Yeah. Charlie, did you just come back from an Italian vacation? Or I was something? What very is producer interjectino. Interjectino. <laughs> Tell the two us like this. You guys all think this Nathaniel Hackett should be fired? This is no. insane. It's one no, no, I said I don't. No, no. I said I don't. And I know, listen, I understand. We don't want to rehash everything we talked about yesterday um, regarding the decision so much as playing it forward, which I think was this, the point of this question. And I think he did himself a favor by coming out immediately and saying we should have gone for it. I think it would have been better without the equivocating, but at least he said it. And now moving forward, he is going to be under one hell of a microscope because there are people who are already looking at those red flags. I didn't like how it looked in game one. I'm going to give him a lot more than one game to settle in as a head coach and to be more in the moment, like you said, Izzy, versus like, oh, I've got this in my head that once we get here, we should go for it instead of, and and then not making the right decision based on all the other factors. I just go ahead, Charlie. A tiny bit, with, which is, one, this team is probably still going to be very good. Two, Nathaniel Hackett probably won't make this mistake again. Three, 
if they have any hole, it's that they have the third best quarterback in their own division. They're in the group of death Fair. with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and a loaded right. Raiders team. And Russell Wilson right. hasn't been good for 36 months. Which is well, why this was I... a worst case scenario for him because we just mentioned we didn't even know who he was a couple of weeks ago. And now not only do we know who he is, but we're questioning him and putting pressure on him all at the well, same time. Because I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think the Broncos were this like championship contender this year. No, so I agree, but the point is when you're in a division that bad, you can't lose to the Seahawks on a game where you've got 433 yards and you can't get it in the end zone because you're fumbling twice on the goal line. You can't lose to the Seahawks if you have to play all of those other teams that are good quality teams. No offense to Seattle, but they're not going to be that great, and neither are the Broncos if they can't get past Seattle. And see, the Seattle did nothing in the second half. They did they had thirty, what thirty six yards in the entire second half, and you still lose that game. Like yep. we're not talking about them them actually playing a championship team. This dude froze up like twelve times in a game against a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Like, what is he going to do against the Chiefs and the Chargers? Like, you are going to be even worse. Like, this is going to get worse for them. And I think part of the the sort of glee that Russell Wilson's former teammates had when they watch him not not succeed once he leaves is just that is the idea that he thought and I know this is what led to the booze and whatnot most for the most part he thought he was more of the reason that they were successful and won the Super Bowls and should have done more when they weren't as successful so he also sort of made it about me 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 I just don't think he is that good like especially at this point of his career like the idea that Denver and that franchise believes that hey he's going to take us to potentially multiple Super Bowls I think that was a window that shut like one or two years ago no I, I disagree I think my biggest concern and it's yet to be seen this season is what he's got in the legs department he did not do a lot of running and scrambling he did not do a lot of taking off with his legs and that was a huge part of why he was a great quarterback if that's gone for good it's a serious problem. If he's still got some of that and he can be a threat that makes the defense respect it, I think he's still a very good quarterback. I think there were a lot of moments last year with Seattle where I think I think uh, Barnwell said something like that, that team ended up being top 10 in a lot of metrics despite a record that didn't belie that because there were a lot of late losses and close finishes. Um, I think he's better than maybe you're giving him credit for. I just worry about if the legs cut out, what that means for him as well. A, that as part a of that, he court. tends to sort of let the the pocket sort of collapse a little soon, right? Or he thinks it's collapsing a little soon, tries to get out of there a little early. All of that is part of my reasoning as to you know the physical ability not being there. Not that he can't you know see the field or throw the deep ball anymore, but being able to get around what he would consider a collapsing pocket and make a play. I just don't know if that's there enough to frustrate defenses for you know long enough stretches where he can be the main reason uh, a team wins a game or his team wins a game every week and so I just never saw that as potential and so maybe this is why people are just sort of shoving it back in his face say hey you're not as good as you think you are I think I mean I think Russell I think compared to what they've had in Denver I think he's probably mm -hmm. the, like the second coming of John Elway compared to what mm -hmm. they've had and they, and they won a Super Bowl with the corpse of Peyton Manning so I think the feeling is that if you have something decent with a good defense they'll be fine I you know I want to go I, there were a lot of people who had problems with my – I, I ended up being a Russell Wilson defender yesterday, which against my better judgment, about the way the players treat him. I think that players, former players, hate a lot of people, but I think that they feel like they can just say what they, whatever they want about Russell Wilson because he's a cornball and because of the yeah. future stuff, and they feel like they can just pick on him. Like, I, he can't yeah. be 
the worst player you've ever played with, but they only pick on Russell right. Wilson because they feel like he's just a dweeb. Yeah, it gets into some sticky and naughty territory, David, that I know you're referring to about a whole lot of things about masculinity and blackness and everything else. And his interactions with Sierra, including some of the really silly things like Googling how to describe a beautiful woman, taking the first first result, copy or his pasting 90s, and putting it. Or his it. 90s R&B voice yeah. that he uses when he talks to his yeah. wife. Or Mr. Unlimited or, or Let's Ride. There's a lot of it. I think what it comes down to is you're allowed to maybe not be a huge fan or think he's your type of guy, but the criticism for him feels not in perspective when compared to criticism for actual criminals and bad people, right? Like Russ yeah. gets so much heat for stuff that's like being a cornball when people are like, I don't want to speak out against my teammate, even though he's literally abusing women or murdering people or whatever it is like it feels like there's this line of like protection for actual bad dudes and then people are perfectly willing yeah. to go out and make fun it, of guys like russ even at a like lower less intense level like that's what part of what surprised me about the fans booing him like i get relationships between quarterbacks and and organizations not being ideal but like some of the stuff that they went through it just doesn't seem to be that huge of an issue when it was right. he gave you a decade of the best you know success that organizations ever had and then for them to boo him that aggressively his first time back it was a bit surprising to me but i get it sports fans are going to be sports fans and charlie wants us to keep it moving so let's go speaking of corpses of old quarterbacks oh yep. um how do you guys feel about brett Favre today uh, not much different than yesterday or the day before. Uh, not surprised at all that a guy who had to turn in or uh, repay $1.1 million in uh, money that he never, that he never, uh, money for speeches that he never gave is now involved in a Mississippi state scandal in which the state is involved. This is the biggest corruption scandal in the history of the state. Uh, apparently welfare fund money was misappropriated and given out to here, let me just read this. An investigative report by Mississippi Today revealed that former Mississippi Governor Phil Bryant helped Brett Favre obtain welfare funds to help build a new volleyball center at the University of Southern Mississippi, where Favre's daughter played. Again, it's a you know bigger story for the state, but you can involve a guy like Brett Favre in this situation. It obviously becomes a lot more interesting. Um, but in terms of the actual question, what I think about Brett Favre today, um, you know, a lot of these texts, oh, there's a text messages uh, released here that sort of shows that he kind of knew what was going on, despite the fact he is now kind of knew, no, knew kind what of was knew. going on, despite he what said was, despite literally, it. if you give me this money, right. will the media have any way of knowing that you did that and why? Literally. He was taking, he was taking he was, away he was, money from the poorest people in the poorest state yes, in the country. He just wanted yes. to know if the media would find out. Yeah. He was taking notes on a criminal because is what he was doing. Mm. Exactly. So, I mean, to answer the question, like, is anybody surprised by this? Is any like I, it bothers me when, you know, we've got called sports washing or call whatever you want when governments or state government get involved with their local, you know, athletes and celebrity athletes and sort of try to either hide something like this or, you know, make a name for themselves in a different way. I mean, we've seen we make mock other countries for doing it. We do it as poorly as anybody else in the world. And so, you know, you look at Brett Favre and you look at some of his history and you look at, you know, just even since he's retired and, and none of this is is surprising none of this is is against any sort of uh pattern of behavior that i've ever seen from him so um he just got caught in something that he shouldn't have and should pay for it dearly yeah i want to think a, a slightly bigger picture on this because i think you're right i think a lot of people when they really got to understand who he is as a person the luster of the big arm and the way he played and the sort of recklessness that was very endearing to people when he was a player 
I, I think that's 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 faded for a lot of people a long time ago. But what it reminded me of, in part because of Jennifer Sturger tweeting about this all of last night, was how much credibility is afforded to people because of their talent, regardless of the number of times they show us who they truly are. And the defense of someone like Brett Favre, because he can throw a football well, no matter how often we are reminded that he is being enabled and treated differently because of that football skill, not because he's a good person, not because he's morally sound, not because he's in the right in situations where he's come into conflict. And, you know, Jennifer Sturger talked about how she was actually canceled. She has not been able to get jobs. She is constantly referred to as the Brett Favre girl. She has been told flat out in interviews, we want to hire you, but we just, there's too much surrounding you where people only know you as the Brett Favre person, so we can't. That's what actual cancel culture looks like for someone who never met him and ended up having her life ruined by him sexually harassing her. Meanwhile, Brett Favre is fine. Not only fine, he's apparently getting millions of dollars to not give speeches and helping funnel money to his alma mater and where his daughter plays instead of caring about the fact that that money was meant for the neediest families. And so th that to me just continues to be, I, I like when we have, it, it, it's not a good thing when we have examples like this, but I like when they are writ so large that even those who would deny them can't. And this is just another example added to the list of things for Favre where you can see and understand in full spotlight that someone is getting different behavior simply for being good at sports. Yeah, uh, y'all get to bear with me here. I'm from Jackson, Mississippi. I'm going to Jackson in a few hours. There's no safe water to drink in Jackson, Mississippi mm -hmm. right now. There has not been safe water to drink in Jackson, Mississippi for months. And this is a problem that has gone back decades. My mother is there. My in-laws are there. They've been trying to, you know, get bottled water however they can. And the fact is that this is about a, that is 80% black, that a state that is overwhelmingly white and anti-black does not care about and is actively doing things to oppress. Mississippi has the, is the poorest state and the blackest state. Less than 2% of people get approved for welfare funds in the state of Mississippi, mm. right? And they have given $5 million to Brett Favre, who has decided that he has to use that, who has $110 million, who has decided to take away that money and build a freaking volleyball stadium. Mm. And growing up in Jackson, Mississippi, I have heard nothing but how we are lazy and don't do anything and are responsible for our own um, oppression and we do not try to do better for ourselves. And we have a place that these folks are doing what they can for themselves. And the state is actively funneling money away from the people who need it to give to a millionaire former football player because he could throw a ball. Like this is more than criminal. This is like one of the most vile stories that I can imagine happening because it wasn't just $5 million. He is part of an overall 70 plus million dollar conspiracy mm to take money away from black folks in the state of Mississippi. So I'm curious, David, like who would you be, who would your family be more upset with? Is it Brett Favre as a central figure, like the most known figure in this, or it's just the legislators who have, you know, continuing this corruption? Uh, former governor, current governor, all the governors in Mississippi, all the way back to the beginning of time, bear the brunt of this. Brett Favre as the face and the millionaire who is getting money yeah. takes a lot of this also, but it's really sort of 
endemic and about a, uh, an entire structure. There are wooden water pipes in Jackson, Mississippi. Like the water has been bad for a very long time. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are all kinds of things that people need that money is coming into the state to help, but people are refusing to give it. And now right. Brett Favre, what Brett Favre does is provide this sort of celebrity face to it, uh, which I hope will in, in the long run help people understand exactly what's going on. But this is, a, you know, he's just part of it. Can yeah. he do that? Can he be that celebrity face that tries to fix what he's done wrong by bringing more attention to it, by trying to find some? Because there's there's no way he's recovering from this by just. Oh no, I don't think he means it like I don't know. I don't think he means it like that, and I don't think he can. I don't think I'm trusting Brett Favre I don't think, for I know anything he doesn't now. Mean but that. I think I'm what just he's saying, saying to turn it to a positive. No, what I'm saying is, I think what he's saying is this will get so much attention because it's Brett Favre that people sure. will get mad enough about what they learn about it, which I'm irate after listening to you, David, because I didn't know all those details. And I do think that there's a possibility that because it's got a celebrity and a political component in terms of the governor and Brett working together against people who are more deserving of this money, that maybe it does shine a light on it to get people to, to learn about it in the way you just talked about where Brett Favre's not saving himself in this. And nobody's going to want to listen to him try to say, I was wrong and let's fix it. But maybe there'll be enough people talking about it that things will get... Uh, uh, I guess that was changed. what my question was. Was not, not, I mean, obviously, he's going to try to repair his own reputation. But can he then, rather than just look like he's trying to repair his reputation, do actual work to bring you know, attention to this and, and help uh, the, the folks of Jackson, Mississippi, when he sort of you know, turned a blind eye to it and obviously you know, siphoned money from them? Uh, I mean, there, I, I will be hard-pressed to find in the history of Mississippi white folks doing that. Um, by like Brett Favre who has nothing really the only thing Brett Favre has to lose is if they if they file some sort of if some sort of criminal action happens and when uh Brad Pike the the uh, the civil suit person in Mississippi tried Tate Reeves the governor fired him from doing that so they mm -hmm. did not allow them to investigate into uh what was actually going on with Ole Miss so I think that this is just going to be something that hopefully raises the bile and the anger of, uh, around folks um in a way um, but but in terms of, of that, you know, I'm not sure that Brett Favre well, has the capacity to change his mind. Probably already get a pretty good idea of what his reaction is going to be based on his lawyer's reaction. And right. yeah, based on the fact that he hasn't paid about three hundred thousand right. uh, uh, dollars in. And based on the fact that back. he based on the fact that he was willing and knowingly as a multimillionaire was willing to take money that was meant for people who are suffering and did not yeah. care that he could sleep at night knowing the blessings that he has and the ease of life that he has and that he actively did not care. It's hard for me to see any reaction from it other than I got caught. Let me figure out. And, how you, know, out of that. and you know, I was, I was raised in, you know, I was born in 86 around the Reagan time. And I, and I was raised as a child where they talked about welfare queens and black folks abusing the welfare system. And mm -hmm. what Mississippi is showing us is that it's people like Brett Favre mm -hmm. and rich folks who are, abu who are actually abusing the welfare right. system and leaving the folks who actually need it out to dry. And to Sarah's point about, which we can't get lost here about Brett Favre and the um, sexual assault and the, you know, text message and all that yeah. stuff harassment nobody does it once like nobody does nobody harasses or 
or we're talking about Sarver, does a racism once and says it's out of my system. Like they keep right. doing it. And when you don't hold people accountable for it, this is exactly the type of stuff that happens. I think I think we want to move on. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I want to listen to Dennis talk about this forever, but I feel like his head's going to explode if we keep going. I feel like I'm, I feel like I may curse. I'm, I'm so proud that we didn't get any curse words out. We did it. Time. We did it, guys. Well done. Let's pivot to some football for the weekend. I got a question for you guys. What are the chances here? You know, Packers lost in week one, and Sarah's Bears mm-hmm. won. Uh-huh. But the line doesn't reflect that. What are the chances the Packers should be 10-point favorites over the Bears this weekend? Well, I was talking to David and Sarah before, just basically saying that this Bears game is one that I didn't really get an eye on at all. And Sarah said it was terrible to watch, but with a good ending. Um, I I feel like watching the Packers, they felt so, well, internally, they felt so frustrated. It looked like Aaron Rodgers couldn't get anything done. It looked like the receivers were missing, I don't know, a guy who gets a 99 rating in Madden. Um, But... This feels like more of a week two sort of regression to the mean type of thing. Like week one, you get your crazy results. And week two, this is more what the NFC North should look like. No? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, first, I want to give some love to my QB. Undefeated, 1-0. and <laughs> Giving us all the joy of those slip and slide celebrations. Uh, but those has, celebrations... He, has he demanded a trade yet? No. Listen. All right. Let's... <laughs> Uh, the fact that Dominique isn't here means we get to avoid, first of all, him calling Chicago just a cold Mississippi and then saying that Justin Fields should demand a trade. Um, no, I, the the celebrations were a part of what was a really wild and weird and funky day because they literally were playing football in a swimming pool. And because of that, there's very little you can take away from week one. I can't believe that there are actual analysts trying to take on Trey Lance after that game as <laughs> if you could really tell what was, I mean, there were moments that he didn't make the right decision, but they were playing in a swimming pool. There were some really cool stuff I saw at Justin Fields, but they were playing in a swimming pool. The Packers are going to be a great team. Their defense was disappointing in week one, in addition to the chemistry issues with his wide receivers, but they also got blasted in week one of last year and rebounded just fine. The Packers will calibrate to where they should be, which is the top of the division. The Bears will calibrate to where they should be, which is a team that's in a rebuild where you're looking just for good performances across a couple guys that you hope will still be there when you can contend. And I think that line's probably fair. Although I took the Bears money line in week one and I might take it again in week two. (laughs) And David, the other thing too is like the Packers, they ran the ball pretty effectively. They just didn't have time to run the ball because Justin Jefferson was making big plays and all of a sudden they're down a couple of touchdowns. So it feels like if they can, you know, establish that run first and maybe these wide receivers, you know, will show out a little bit. Yeah, I, I like how um, dropped hypothetical touchdowns are worth 40 hypothetical points because um, everybody's <laughs> pointing to this one drop as if that would have yeah. changed the entire game and they got smoked. Yeah. I think the Vikings are good. Like, I think the Vikings are yeah. just a really good team. And, you know, like you said, you throw out week one and everybody's just going back to last season. I'm, I'm with it. I think it's – I'll give it a 75% chance. I'm fine with it. I'm, a, I'm good with the. T- I don't know. A t- ten point favorite seems kind of big. I think you should be probably in the like seven point range. So I'm going to go with like, yeah, I'll go with seven percent. This shouldn't be a ten point favorite. Seven percent. Uh, I think the percentage is only off by a tiny bit. I think it's more of maybe like a, a seven, seven and a half. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go seventy percent just to keep the sevens mm. in there. But I just felt a vibration in my chair. I'm going to change my answer to seventy six. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm actually like, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I'm very curious about like, was it like three vibrations to move your rook and like two vibrations to move like a knight? Again, we're like, not, I, I don't think we should even tell the details of how a chess champion wondering. supposedly used a style of beads to cheat, but I guess... Just there was it. a there. Somebody posted a like a three D graph of how the vibrate. Anyway, so no, no, really. I mean, there's just too yeah. many jokes that you want to get off. Um, that it's hard to not say them. You know, like do you do you go with your butt feeling instead of your gut <laughs> feeling? Uh, are you constantly like just like looking back and regretting the movie? So you guys, just made? why does uh, week one yeah, not matter like, for Rogers, <laughs> but it matters so much for Nathaniel Hackett? They're kind of connected, right? Uh, no, because Aaron Rodgers' play is is dependent upon all of the pieces around him making the right. I mean, he almost threw his first pick in an NFC North game in like literal years because his wideouts couldn't run a simple flat. Like one of the guys didn't block, one of the guys jumped the route. Like, like there's so many things that Aaron Rodgers had to depend on that didn't go right. Whereas Nathaniel Hackett's decision making, based on the context given to him, was just wrong. Was just bad. Um, I think they're very different situations. Yeah, I think Sarah has a good beat on the situation here. Okay. So okay. Oh, God. okay. <laughs> I, I, we have time for one more. Uh, we we do? talked okay. enough about Tom okay. Brady. I'm actually, let's talk about baseball for a second. Ooh. Guys, what are the chances Aaron Judge is going to get to 62 home runs this year? He's currently at? 57. 57. 57. He's on pace um, for 65. It's interesting, though, because I feel like most people kind of want to look away at the uh, home run totals and want because, you know, it automatically creates the question marks if anybody's on something. I feel like this is the purest home run chase I've ever seen because dude is a giant. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I think it's going to continue uh, on this pace. And I think he's probably going to go over north of 62. I just wonder what that's like. Is this the beginning of just a ridiculous career of just, well, this is the real home run monster and he's going to have 700, you know, before he's even 40? I like that you called it a chase and not a race because he is, in fact, chasing Maris and he's not in a race with anyone. I think Schwarber's 20-something home runs behind him, which is insane. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to get it. I think the only way he wouldn't is... Um, injury or if all of a sudden the pressure hit him. And I don't see that happening. This is a guy that has a $213 million bet on himself right now by not accepting that contract and looking for more like 300, 400 million. This is a guy that's getting no protection in the lineup whose team came out of the all-star break, absolute trash. And none of that affected him. He seems to be robotic in his pursuit of this while also telling us he's not pursuing it. Eh, it's, it's, you know, it's about the team. And I kind of believe him because of the way he's playing, that it just doesn't phase him. I just can't 100%. imagine like I, that nerves even get to him. Like how could they? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going ninety nine percent. I'll go. Uh, I'll go sixty two percent. It's still likely. Hater. <laughs> Is that the show? Is that the bell presented by Corona? All right. If you haven't read about great. the chess story, please go read about the chess story. Yeah, read about the please. chess story. And if you want to give us some details, please let us know anything that we might have missed. Any any logistics or anything you can. Yeah, specifics. Yeah, number of vibrations, size of the equipment, battery power. <laughs> <laughs>